solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Alright, so we are back with another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing chapter 20, The Dementor's Kiss. Uh, It's a really short chapter, so we'll try to dig as much out of it as we possibly can. Uh, In our American version books, it's only like eight pages, but anyway, we'll do our best. Uh, Molly's back with us. Hello! So, we had a lot of discussion in the last chapter. Uh, There was a lot going on. Yeah. But we will try to get as much out of this chapter as we can. What really happens in this chapter is they leave the Shrieking Shack, uh, which is a hassle in itself, trying to get everybody out of there with Pettigrew bound up and Snape being unconscious. They try to get out, and then... When they get out of the tunnel under the Whomping Willow, Lupin starts to turn. Because Snape had mentioned that he hadn't taken his potion that night and it was a full moon. Because, you know, of course, whatever can go wrong will go wrong in a Harry Potter book. So Absolutely. Uh, So that happens and then all chaos ensues. Uh, Pettigrew escapes. Serious bolts after Lupin to try to control him, which is a vicious fight that they describe. Yeah. And then Hermione wants to go back to the castle and get help. Harry hears a dog whimper in the background, and he just takes off after Sirius, uh, to which he finds a whole boatload of Dementors, uh, which is a problem. Tries to conjure a Patronus. It is not happening for him. And then he's saved. Yeah. So, uh, we'll kind of dig into it a little bit more. Um, the, one of the biggest things in this chapter is Sirius has this great conversation right off the bat with Harry about like, hey, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but your parents made me your, your godfather. I'm technically a legal guardian for you yeah so and then he's really like funny about how he kind of approaches this because he takes a couple of pauses and he's cautious and he's like you know i understand completely if you want to stay with uh with your aunt and uncle and um but if you wanted to like and then harry i think just cuts him off at some point and was like wait (laughs) Are you insane? <laughs> of course I want to leave the Dursleys. You've got a house. When can I move in? <laughs> when can I move in? He There's was... no stranger danger happening right <laughs> <now>. No. <laughs> it's a testament to how awful the Dursleys are to Harry that he's willing to move in with this uh, accused murderer <laughs> who he's really just met for the first time. Yeah. And has gotten... As much as they did go into a whole monologue, mono set of monologues about what happened, right? Still, it's not. It's you're just taking people's words for it at this time. So, and you just did this. You're right. in a heightened emotional state, and you're just like, nope, I'm moving in. Yep. 
I want to see a, um, oh, what is that show? Two and a Half Men with Lupin and Sirius and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about that show, really. I've never watched it, but. Uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be really interesting. <laughs> Like Them just a, all chilling at uh, Sirius's house. Yeah, just a spinoff of uh, <laughs> of that. And Sirius trying to figure out how to be like a father figure yes. and like <laughs> Lupin being the like you know therapist <laughs> between all of them. The, the straight man of like <laughs> Sirius, you can't. He's a kid. You can't do this. Right. <laughs> like, I could see the two and a half men thing playing out. Yes. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah. I also took note of the Harry. Like, when can I move in? Part per Harry. Uh, and his life, as soon as this sudden burst of hope and happiness comes in, they get outside of the Whomping Willow, and the moon comes out from behind the clouds, and Lupin starts to transform, and you get a description of Lupin's transformation, which just sounds painful. Yeah. And Lupin and Ron were manacled to Pettigrew. And Lupin had his wand pointed at Pettigrew's chest if he were to transform. Meanwhile, Sirius is, like, hovering Snape <laughs> down this hallway, bumping his head on the ceiling and yeah. dragging his toes across the stairs and such. Uh, not really caring about any of that. Zero cares. Yeah. But Lupin breaks free of the manacle of uh, with Pettigrew, which I honestly is probably the best-case scenario for Pettigrew and Ron. Because uh, that could have gotten really bad really quick. Yeah. I also very much enjoy just, like, the very first sentence of this chapter. Mm. Like, Harry had never been a part of a stranger <laughs> group. <laughs> like That says a lot. Yeah. It, it, but it is a strange group, I must it say. Is. <laughs> that is a good leading sentence for a chapter. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Yeah. After Lupin transforms, Sirius transforms very quickly. And they have a very intense back and forth where they're like clawing at each other biting at each other and so we talked about uh when anna was talking about animagus and when lupin was talking about his transformation he would talk about how them being there their presence the other three would help calm him uh and help keep his mind somewhat. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, Lupin has been without Sirius and Peter and James for 12 years. Yeah. But now you actually have two of the three others there present. Right. And it does not seem to mellow Lupin out at all, no. in the very least. And uh, I had brought up the question of, like, well, it might matter who... Or, or sorry, what mindset those people are in. Mm -hmm. Because Lupin, James, and Peter back in the day were going to just hang out with their friend who happened to trans transform into a werewolf. Right. Here, you have Sirius frightened because there's children present, yeah. including his godson, who is the son of his best friend forever. Yes present and in very clear and present danger. Right. So he's maybe a little bit more alarmed yes. than he was in the past. And Peter is obviously in a whole state where he's afraid of 
his life. He's afraid of Dementors. He's afraid of his two best friends. He's afraid, he's afraid of a lot of stuff right now. Neither one of his friends are probably in the right mindset to be like, hey, let's chill and yeah. calm this down and let's just hang out. Yeah. I bet you, according to Trelawney, the, the feng shui is not... Okay, you know, it's not a good environment. It's not. No, we need more uh, perfumes. We need more perfumes. We need it to be a little bit warmer. Right. The yeah. feng shui is not there for a nice, calm, fun experience. Can you imagine them turning the shrieking shack into like Trelawney's? Oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. uh, that would probably. I'm assuming the the aromatic sense would probably set Lupin off even more. Uh, <laughs> probably. <imagine. laughs> this is not a comic situation. No, no. Yeah. Oh, man. So all chaos pretty much ensues at that point. And stuff goes crazy. Peter transforms in the chaos without with an unconscious Snape who, who has been out the entirety of Peter Pettigrew's man experience here yes and and Sirius and, and Lupin are obviously distracted so Peter takes the opportunity to be like peace bye I'm out uh transforms and runs away and then Lupin's like forget this I'm not fighting with this big black dog anymore I'm out yeah. <laughs> so he takes off Lup uh Sirius takes after Lupin which leaves Ron Harry and Hermione to be like what are we gonna do right we need Pettigrew Mm-hmm. Otherwise, this all falls apart. But also, there's an accused murderer and a werewolf running loose. Hermione, being Hermione, is like, we should probably go to the castle and get help. Yes. <laughs> like, that's probably the next step. Yes. And I believe Harry almost considers it for a half second. Until he hears off in the distance the whimper of a dog. And he just bolts yeah. in the direction of that sound. And what he comes up on is Sirius in human form lying in on the uh, on the ground with Dementors starting to circle. Because as he gets closer to Sirius, he could start feeling that cold, crushing yeah. feeling, but he doesn't register exactly what it is yet until he gets closer to Sirius and he's like, oh, there's, a, there's not just one, there's a lot. Yeah. There, I think he, there's over a hundred, I think he says, or something like that. Uh, Similar to the Quidditch scene from earlier. Yeah. He's trying to produce a Patronus. He's, he tries multiple times. He gets a wisp of a silvery uh, cloud mm-hmm. that a Dementor, he says, almost like slaps out of the way. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, whatever, not good enough. Yeah. And I believe he tries to teach Hermione how to do the... Patronus charm, uh, which does not go over well. No. Not exactly the environment you want to use uh, for teaching. No. And you have Sirius in trouble. Hermione ends up fainting. You have Harry trying to fight as hard as he can, but now his mother's voice is so loud in his head. Yeah. And he says, this is the last thing I'm going to hear. Yeah. While, by the way, looking into the full face of a Dementor, which is, uh, I believe they're blind. I don't think they have eyes, right? No, it, like, the description of them is, like, terrifying. Like, absolutely terrifying. Where there should have been eyes, there was only thin gray scab skin stretched blankly over empty sockets. 
but there was a mouth, a gaping, shapeless hole, sucking the air with the sound of a death rattle. The sound of a death rattle would scare the heck out of me. Oh, yeah. Because, like, obviously you're looking, you're looking into this face. I guess you can call it a face. Or just <laughs> a, a mouth, essentially. Yeah. And... You'd almost, I mean, in Harry's sake, the death rattle is, like, not even that important of a detail because you're hearing your, your mother's voice as she's dying. Uh, but to any other person, that would be a terrifying sound and image right before your your soul is sucked from your essence. Oh, for sure. Um, and we've talked on the podcast before about, like, because uh, Lupin talked about it. It's like, is any crime or is any person worthy of having that done to them yeah i can't imagine you're living for very long after that right like you can't survive very long without uh, like i'm assuming the soul gives you like a will to live almost right oh i'm sure because if you're if that's gone from you and you're just like this husk like what's making you eat or drink right it's an upsetting description and it's literally gut-wrenching this whole dementor yeah just in like how hairy it, it's 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 gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Harry's like, no, I'm finally going to be living with my uncle and away from the Dursleys with my mom's and my my mom and dad's best friend. And then your soul's being sucked away. And you're watching literally all of the happiness you just produced being taken away. Well, they even mention that when he said, like, when can I move in? And Sirius smiled for the first time. Yeah. And Harry s- said that when he smiled... There was such a difference in right. how he looked. Yes. He looked younger. He looked healthier. He looked more like the handsome man that was laughing at Lily and James's wedding. Right. And almost immediately, <laughs> those good vibes are just... Gone. Immediately stripped away. Yeah. As short as this chapter is, because, I mean, that's... This chapter ends with uh, Harry's seemingly being saved Mm -hmm. by someone off in the distance who looks vaguely familiar. Yeah. And this big galloping, almost, uh, I think he describes it almost as like a unicorn, almost, Mm -hmm. coming through, uh, like the light that is off, the Mm -hmm. the brilliance in the darkness is almost unicorn-esque, that comes, gets all the Dementors away, and goes back, and he sees his figure almost petting it. Yeah. Uh, before he blacks out. Right. And as short as this chapter is, it does pack an intense punch. Oh, it's I mean, it's action, like, it's almost wall-to-wall action. Yeah. Uh, after that little initial burst of sunshine and rainbows from the conversation. Right. Again, very quick things happening at the end of this book. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, I feel like we are full on, like, halfway speeding down a roller coaster at this point. Um... Yes. And, you know, we said in the spoiler section, I think, a couple chapters ago, like, you guys, if if you're still listening to us, you don't even know what's ahead of you. Because this yeah. is the, just the start of a bunch of crazy chapters. Oh, yeah. And we're about halfway through. We're almost done with the book. We have, we have two more chapters after this. That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy? Two more chapters after this. And I feel like we're only halfway down that roller coaster. I know. <laughs> like, I know. It's insane. Yeah. But 
I mean, that's pretty much the chapter in a nutshell. Well, it's a short non-spoiler section. Yeah. But uh, we will go ahead and hop over to spoilers. And we do have a couple of interesting things for the spoilers because, <laughs> and I will tease it right now, Molly has an interesting McGonagall take. And I will read you the description I have in my notes. The McGonagall mean girl Downton Abbey take is yes. coming from Molly in the spoiler section. So be ready for that. And also, it's been a, a long time. Uh, Molly didn't give her takes on this in the last episode. So we finally get Molly's takes on the whole Trelawney debate that we've we had do. book long. So go ahead and come back for the spoiler section. It's going to be a good one, I promise. So we'll be right back. You, you foul loads of them evil little cockroach. All right, so we're back with the spoiler section. Well, I'll, I'll let Molly kind of decide where we're going. Where do you want to start with? Oh, man. Let's dive into uh, the Trelawney, Mag- tr- um, I almost said Maggie Smith, and now <laughs> I did say Maggie Smith, uh, McGonagall. Um, so your take, is, you really want to dive into the, the Trelawney McGonagall of it all? Yeah, I could kind of. I mean, a mixture of both, because okay. I haven't been able to um, chat about it. Mostly, it's just been me at my house listening to the podcast, just like just yelling. Just yelling, <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Oh. Um, I will say this. I'm sure Anna is, uh, I know that was a heated debate and Anna's going to be like, no, but Dan kind of, uh, changed, you changed my perspective a little bit on Trelawney. Oh my gosh. I was like, you know what? He makes some, some fair points. He makes some great points. Um, that, so... that makes me feel so good yeah. <laughs> that I'm not completely on an island. <laughs> no. Um, cause first take. Trelawney has always driven me nuts. I don't think I would enjoy her class. I think I'd be like, this is a bunch of hogwash. Oh, I agree with you there. I don't yeah. think I would enjoy her class either, for the record. But, you know, that doesn't mean that her subject is for everyone, right? Like, it, it takes a different person to be involved in that and she says that right off the bat and you're like okay yeah you're right so my feelings have changed about Trelawney yes she can be dramatic Mm -hmm. and um you know years of being like someone in this class is going to die right is a little over the top sure but I have respect for for who Trelawney is as a person and her subject and the fact that there are people that, you know, also enjoy the more spiritual aspect, I guess you could say, as opposed to more of the logical side of magic. Yeah. You know, it's important to note as, as much flack as I've gotten for this topic, it's not that I'm saying Trelawney is a great teacher or a great character. Yeah. I'm just saying she doesn't deserve the, the flack the, or the amount of flack that she's received. So instead of being a terrible character or teacher, just saying mediocre. Yeah. Mediocre. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not saying she's good or great or whatever. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy her class. Yeah. And yeah, she does have a flair for the dramatic, but it is a magic school. And if we go back to the first lesson of all of our teachers, I mean, they all had a flair for the dramatic in their first class. Absolutely. Like looping with Bogarts was a big swing right off the bat. Right. Obviously, Hagrid with the hippogriff, he was trying for a big swing right off the bat. Right. McGonagall with 
turning her, so, like, the animagus <laughs> trick right. is a way to flaunt transfiguration right off the bat. Right. They all have a flair for the dramatic. Right. Hers just was aggressive and, yes. you know, maybe not the best way to flaunt divination, but right. it got their attention. It did. <laughs> so. That is for sure. Um, but I'm glad I'm not completely on an island, so... No. I'm happy. She's less of a disliked character in my mind after that little debate, so... I'll take it. I'll take that. Yeah. And I'm sure as we get towards the end end of this book... And I'm sure Trelawney will pop back up again <laughs> and we'll have her back and forth, but... Yes. I'm, I'm happy I've at least made a decent... Uh, a decent effort yes. for putting Trelawney on a better front. Yes. So. Points well made on both sides. And um, also, uh, McGonagall being a little bit of a mean girl. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say, I haven't been a huge fan of McGonagall in this book. Yeah. But what's your... I want to get into this whole McGonagall mean girl Downton Abbey Okay, take. so... They have, in the movies, they have Maggie Smith mm-hmm. play McGonagall. Like, spot on. Because if you are a Downton Abbey watcher, I am, of course, because of my inner old lady. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you are knitting while you're watching Downton Abbey, yes. Uh, and drinking tea, not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Has happened plenty of times. Solid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one's judging you for your Friday night activities. <laughs> Legit happened Friday, Saturday night. Okay. There you go. Um, anyways, um, Maggie Smith's character in Downton Abbey is just cheeky, just says it how it is type of person. Okay. And in a sense, McGonagall is that way too. I think we just don't see it enough. Um, that she is just kind of snarky, says it like it is, this is how it is. Um, and you put that up against somebody like Trelawney, who has a taste for the dramatics, against someone who is very logical and very like, no, 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 like, we don't need to have these dramatics. They're gonna butt heads. It's, you know, you don't get along with everybody in the real world, you know? So I think it's a good kind of representation of, of that dynamic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I completely want to see now, um, Maggie Smith become McGonagall and the Dowager from, uh, Down Nabby. <laughs> I want to see this, uh, this happen. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I, the, the McGonagall and Trelawney, they are completely polar opposite individuals. Oh yeah. And you know we've we've talked about before how it is and the mean girl thing is spot on because it is yeah. a little like borderline bullying, but straight up unprofessional in the way that McGonagall kind of deals with some of it because yeah. she critiquing is fine, but critiquing in front of peers and in front of students is. Not always the best. Not always decision. the best look, yeah. I could see though to a point where you put up with somebody for so long and they drive you so like crazy oh, sure, yeah. that it's just bound to fly out of your mouth. And I think Trelawney does feel that sense of you know inadequacy because this divination is so different. Yes. From the other types of magic being taught 
at Hogwarts. And her expertise is in divination, and it's not necessarily in charms or in transfiguration or potions necessarily. So, like, that's why she holds herself up in her tower is because I don't think she feels like she's magically on the level of some of the other professors there. Yeah. So when she hears, and, and McGonagall does nothing to help this. No. So. Well, I think it's far less concrete than being able to transfigure something or being able to charm something. Sure, like, sure. she doesn't even know she's coming up with some of these prophecies. So, you know, there's an element of that where it's like, this is not a concrete, like, science or like potions you know like right. i mix this potion with this potion and this is or i mix it this ingredient with this ingredient and it makes this potion that does that you know so um i'm sure there are some ways where she does feel like this is not something concrete and i have nothing to show for it sometimes i don't even know i'm doing it half the time right you know yeah it's like uh, we've talked about you know what is seeing and all that it's hard to prove right yeah so it, it's interesting but her and mcgonagall are just two polar opposites yeah. and then you get mcgonagall coming more to her defense in order of the phoenix when you know an outsider yeah tries to dictate what can and can't be done in hogwarts right it's it's an interesting dynamic yeah, absolutely. And, like, uh, the other aspect that you could probably get into this is, like, I mean, we have fraud magic in our world that exists today, right? We have people that do tell fortunes, that do tell the future and all of that. Magicians with targeted guesses and stuff Yeah, like that. exactly. You know, like... Mentalists, I think they're called. Yeah. Like, she is talented with the targeted guessing and the, right. I bet you this will probably happen. Right. Right. The differences between the teachers can be more plain, other than maybe like Snape and Trelawney. Yeah. <laughs> or, or something like that. However, I want to see those two interact. Well, I mean, we have seen a dramatic side of Snape here in right? the last, you know, couple of chapters. What if they went on a date? Snape and Trelawney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where do you think they'd go? Would they go to um, the? No, um... they would do the whole. Uh, they would do the whole. Uh, oh, what's it called? It's like the. It's where Harry and Cho go in uh, yes, five. Yes. In Valentine's Day with yes. the hearts everywhere. Yes. Is it like? Oh, I can't remember. It's not the three broomsticks. It's no. like Puttyfoot something like that. Madam Puttyfoot. Something like that. Tea room I can't remember. or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. That, that's a sight. Well, in the last yes. couple of chapters now, we've had Crookshanks being shipped with Mrs. Norris. Yes. Is Mrs. Shanks <laughs> is the ship name? So it's Snape and Trelawney's ship name. Be? Oh man, I am. I'm not. I, I'll let you guys figure that out. I'm not good at that. That would be interesting. I feel like. It's, yeah. Oh man. All right. Snelawney. 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 Trape? Uh, trape? <laughs> That's an attractive name, yes. right? Trape. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, Crickshanks is actually Vernon Dursley. <laughs> Hot take. Hot take. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just sliding a real hot take in there real quick. 
<laughs> the most ridiculous. Straight from the forums back in the day. I'm just going to throw a bomb out there and see if anyone buys it. Uh. <laughs> that that would be a twist. Yeah. That would be a very, that would be almost, that would be way bigger than the Peter Pettigrew is a rat twist. Right. Which, do you remember you reading that for the first time? I do, actually. What was your reaction to that? Oh, I think I was just like, my mind is blown right now. Yeah. And I just was like flipping through the pages, like mm-hmm. reading as fast as I could. It's like, I feel like now we take it for granted, but back in the day, that was a massive twist. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I, and that's the thing that I like, I'm, I am glad that I can remember those like first read throughs, you know, and how I felt. Um, like, and that's like the brilliance of like some of JK's writing where mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my God, you know? Yep. Yeah. I so. have to. And, and that's what I said is my reaction. I, I don't know necessarily what it's like, oh, Peter Pettigrew's a rat. Like, that's yeah. crazy. My only reaction I can remember was to turn the next page and keep on going. Right. Because I couldn't put it down at that point, you know? Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else on the uh, Trelawney slash McGonagall Mean Girl take? Not really. Or anything else for the spoilers for that matter? Not really. Just the fact that, like, I immediately thought of Downton Abbey as Maggie Smith being the chicken lady. That's what they call her. It's. If you if you like if you watch Down Abbey, you'll know what I'm saying, and just being a sassy sassy lady. I did like Harry's first attempt at teaching going so poorly. Oh yeah, not good. Uh, he does eventually figure out how to teach a Patronus charm. <laughs> yes, yes. It was not here. Yeah. So. Which I think is too interesting because Patronuses are supposed to be really hard to produce, right? And like everybody's in odd, but then he like teaches a whole class of fifth year students how to do a Patronus like that says maybe a lot about his teaching style or like the talent of that fifth fifth year class could yeah could be you know um, um speaking of which uh I will drop a couple of more tidbits on some of the deep dives I've done recently uh one of which being Lupin I forgot to mention Lupin with Patronus since we're on that topic we don't ever see him produce a full-bodied corporeal Patronus. It's always wisps or just strong beams of light. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, he does that on purpose. And he purposefully doesn't create a corporeal Patronus. Hmm. His Patronus, for those that are wondering, is, shockingly, a wolf. Ah. And though it's just a wolf, not a werewolf, it reminds him of his biggest flaw. So uh, he hates seeing it. So right. he's purposefully right. doesn't. Right. Um, so that's an interesting tidbit on Lupin. Yeah. But And as far as the class goes, you just reminded me of this. I did some research on what's considered the original 40. Mm-hmm. So we've talked on the podcast before, like, uh, at one of the, the Quidditch matches about, like, JK said there were, like, 200 people here. How is that possible? Like, like how does this math add up? Where are these people coming from? Right. So she wanted more than 40 people per class. Okay. It ended up being 40. Mm-hmm. So the original 40 was a list of names, uh, their gender, and their uh, house. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting to see what names were put in what names changed 
and what names were left out. She said that some of the names that don't appear in the series, which there are several, in her mind, as she's writing the book, they were still present in that scene. Oh. She just didn't actually include them. Like, you'll get the characters that are mentioned once, like uh, Mandy Brocklehurst. Right. For example. Yeah. Mentioned. She exists. She is a Ravenclaw. We just never hear of her after that one mention in, like, book one. Right. Uh, And there are some that we just never hear of, period. Right. But apparently there's 40, which would mean 10 per house. Okay. And I went through the list, and there's maybe, like, seven, eight, nine names per house that I can recognize and be like, okay, they're Hufflepuff, they're Ravenclaw, they're Gryffindor, they're Slytherin. But there's probably, like, two or three out there that I'm like... Yeah. So, I have a list. We'll we'll get to it on a on a future episode. But um, but that talented fifth year class is what you were talking about. Yeah, it it's a talented group of students. Group of students. It was a particularly talented year. Yeah, but then again, too. I mean, you have the order who can like communicate via Patronuses, which yeah. I mean, then again, too, a lot of them are auras or high ministry people, so they're going to be talented in magic, yeah. you know, in producing a Patronus, but... That's like a whole other level of Patronus. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah. Sending messages through that. Right. How do they figure that out? Is that like a Dumbledore trick? That he's like, Maybe. hey, we can do this, like, let's do this? Yeah. I don't know. Because then that's like a foolproof right, because you just have to know each other's Patronuses. Right. And then you know it's that's a true message from someone else. It's not someone faking it. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. More deep diving. More deep diving ahead. <laughs> we're we're fans of deep dives here. Yes. At Hogwarts a podcast. So, um yeah, maybe on our big round table end of the book chat, I'll officially have all of my notes on this and we can deep dive into some of those. But yeah. anywho, I think that's pretty much it for this chapter. It's a nice short one. Yeah. Got anything else? No. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. So. Just besides the fact, I want to see two things: two and a half men with Lupin, Harry, and Sirius, and then Maggie Smith, McGonagall, Dowager, <laughs> Down Abbey. I like yeah. the two and a half men idea. Yeah. There's a fan fiction for you. Right. So we have two and a half men. Sirius and Lupin <laughs> raising Harry. Yes. We have the <laughs> the Sybil Trelawney Severus Snape fan fiction. Yeah. We've promoted fan fiction a lot. Uh, uh, yeah. Anna Anna was promoting the Wolf Star yes. Lupin Sirius thing, which again would go in the two and a half men. Right. We could loop that around. Yeah. Um, Good stuff in the works. JK, I hope you're listening and Crookshanks and up- Mrs. Norris. We have a yes. lot of we could we could probably combine all of this into one fan fiction. I, yeah. Let's let's do it. We're, we'll figure out a way to write it. Yes. Anyway, on that note, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, let us know on Twitter and Instagram what you guys think on all of the ships that we just mentioned, on the two and a half men idea, and uh, everything else. I'm just happy I'm not on an island anymore with the Trelawney takes. She's mediocre. Mediocre. Yay! All right. Uh, so for Molly, I'm Dan. Uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. 
If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.